in typical Ollie fashion, a conversation between a teacher and a student becomes an opportunity for two women to connect as peers to the point of sharing some very personal details about their lives. I was this little Minnesota woman, very naive, and ended up jumping into a world that I was clueless about. When my mom brought me home from the orphanage, I was basically committing suicide. I was refusing food. Stay with us as an Ollie instructor and student teach and learn some life lessons from each other. Welcome to In Conversation, the voices of Ollie. Ollie is an acronym for the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, located at the Cal State San Bernardino campus here in Palm Desert, California. We're about to eavesdrop on a conversation between two luminous voices of Ollie. Dr. Arlette Poland holds an alphabet of academic degrees, PhD, JD, MA, two of those, as well as a BS. She's also led a number of lives, which she calls her mini-me's, actress, minister, lawyer, ventriloquist, even political operative. Currently, Dr. Arlette is a painter, podcaster, professor at COD, that's College of the Desert, and a gig she especially treasures, an Ollie instructor who enjoys a unique relationship with her students. The students are peers, and many of them actually have had more life experience than you. One of those students is Nancy Smaby. She brings a wealth of life experiences to the classroom as both a life coach and a passionate lifetime learner. Nancy took a break in her mid-20s to finish her undergraduate degree and later earned a master's degree in psychology, serving on the Ollie Curriculum Committee while enrolling in a vast spectrum of courses every semester. Nancy's become a keen observer of the unique teacher-student relationships at Ollie including Dr. Arlette's classes. As a student, I do feel like we're contemporaries and that there isn't a higher or lower or any kind of that kind of stuff going on, that it's a, a very um, receptive, uh, connecting relationship. This is part of why I love teaching with Ollie because when I start teaching something, if I'm teaching them something new, they are also teaching back when they start to ask questions because they're coming from their relationship to time and all of the things that they've done. And it's kind of fun to not always be the oldest person in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because when I went to college, you know, there was so much more clarity about the difference of stature of the student and and the teacher that I just have loved this availability of getting to know our teachers and in a way that I think is way more meaningful. I have taken so many wonderful classes from you and I've enjoyed them all, but I am dying to ask you one question. Where do you get the energy to do all the things that you are doing? <laughs> 
I think um, uh, it's a similar question. My mom used to ask me something like that as well. When are you ever going to stop? Or she would say, you're never going to stop, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, um, it's just a passion to express whatever the next me is. And um, the passion I have with Ollie in particular is about how I get to create the classes and then I get to present them to a, a bunch of interested, educated people who really listen and want to learn or share their knowledge as well. It's just phenomenal. I just um, being a member and a teacher with Ollie for so many years, 15 years now, it's just um, really added to my life. And part of being involved with Ollie has actually kept me in teaching, maybe even longer than I might otherwise have wanted to stay. The conversation now becomes more personal. Not so much teacher and student, but two women chatting, let's say over afternoon tea, about life, relationships, even self-identity. Okay, but Nancy, I've, um, I've seen you in a bunch of classes and you're just so beautiful and full of all this wonderful knowledge. And I get the sense that you've traveled and you've had a, an, a very interesting life up until the time when I see you in class. I was this little Minnesota woman, very naive, and ended up jumping into a world that I was clueless about. Uh, Gary and I were dating a million years ago and decided to take global semester through St. Olaf College, and this is in 1970. So we ended up getting married, and we went and spent the summer in Europe and did summer school at the University of Oslo and then met the rest of the 33 members which included a husband who was a professor, his wife and son in Rome to continue our nine month adventure around the world. We started in the Mid East and we actually were there when they bombed the 747 in Cairo. And it, you know, 1970 was really a scary time in so many places. And half the time I was truly scared to death I mean, physically, because I was afraid of that we were going to get bombed or riots, or we were in India, met Indira Gandhi, spent the afternoon with her. I mean, we really had the most phenomenal experiences. And Gary had already done a lot of travel. He was way more sophisticated in that world. And so for me, it opened my eyes. And so it opened my eyes to a curiosity about the world, adventure, travel that I never, ever would have had if I didn't do that. Tell me about how it felt and what, how it happened when your husband proposed for, to you. <laughs> if, if anybody knows Gary very well, this will not come as a surprise. We had decided we wanted to do global semester and we wanted to be able to have our own place when we were traveling. And there was no chance that unmarried students were going to be able to stay together. <laughs> and so Gary and I decided, you know, why don't, why don't we get married? He comes up with kind of a, a sheet with 
the pros about why we are getting married earlier than after we graduate. <laughs> and we get into the hotel room with the whole family is there. We're celebrating a big event for his dad. And Gary goes, he brings this, you know, yellow sheets of paper out and says, Nancy and I have decided we are going to be getting married. And the reasons are this. <laughs> so I know, Arlette, you're looking for a little romantic stuff. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah. that, I think that's its own kind of romance because what it does is it, it adds to me for you and the relationship that you talk about with him, it adds to the safety. You know, I, I want to point out something that I don't know if you've acknowledged for yourself as you say that in particular at the end, you said it opened my eyes. You want to realize, I think, that tells basically who you are because there are a fair amount of people who would go to an experience like that and it would shut them down and all they'd want to do is sit in their little farm or their little house and stay there safe in a bubble. But instead, it opened your eyes and you wanted to learn more. So I think I want to encourage you to recognize that that's really who you are. And the other wonderful thing about your story is how you um, were able to trust and lean on your husband, on Gary. I mean, that is, uh, to me, the whole thing of life, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> grand unified theory, <laughs> is let's find a safe place to put our love. And that's the first thing an infant is looking for. Where's a safe place for me to put my love? And when you find that, it is, it changes everything in the world. Somehow everything becomes safer. And yeah. And that is a, a, when you feel that kind of safety, then you are able to open. So I want to applaud both of you for giving that to each other and the kind of character that you have that you bring to class as well. Thank you. You know what's so bizarre? I just wrote an email to, uh, I have five sisters, well, five girls in our family. And my mom died 11 years ago. And she was 100 when she died. And it was time for her to go. But talking about that whole love, I mean, she gave it to me. I mean, and I have an identical twin. And we've always had a tremendous love for each other. But that's so interesting you put it that way. Because I, I, I really, I have feelings about that. It's, it's how lucky I was to have a mom like I had. And that I can still celebrate her with my four siblings. And my, my two girls that we have. Yeah, that, that's really wonderful. It shows me another thing we have in common besides white hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, because my mom was a month short of 101 when she died. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, and uh, she was pretty popular. She had a whole fan club, including some people, the family, we're all from overseas, so Europe. And so um, some of the family from Europe came over for a surprise Oh. Um, the, she had a hundredth birthday, hundredth birthday party, but she knew she was going to have the party, but she didn't know it was going to be such a big deal. And that the family from Europe, few members, representatives came over for the party. So she was pretty excited and uh, it was really wonderful. And she said to me afterwards, you know, I wrote up a whole thing about what I wanted you to do for a celebration of life for me after I die, but you just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is so cool. 
but talking about some of these ideas, we both have an understanding of the Enneagram. And the Enneagram is a personality, uh, I call it kind of a study of how we interact dependent on what type we are. I, I have a feeling we are similar types, and I've always felt that's probably why we connect so well, uh, because we have, um, we're outgoing, we're, uh, and quite extroverted. <laughs> and well, um, let me jump in there for just a quick second, Nancy. Actually, I'm not an extrovert. Really? No, on the Enneagram, I am not. I'm an introvert. Um, hmm. The difference is that um, I can speak in front of a group. Yeah. My husband will say, put her on a stage, give her a microphone. She'll talk about anything, <laughs> whatever the size group, 10, the thousand, 10,000, doesn't matter. But if you put me at a party, like even we had a party here for his graduation of a certificate thing, after I get everything set up for the party, and it's people I know who are here for him. Yeah. And I sit at the far end of the yard, because it's outdoors, holding my dog. And has that always been the case? Always, always, always. If I have a reason to be there, if I'm working it for some reason, or uh -huh. I need to be there, then there's no problem because then I can be that. COVID works fine for me because I'm very much a recluse. Yeah, yeah I am not. Um, and it might be because I was adopted and I was almost dead when I was adopted, almost a year Maybe wow. something got, you know, because they talk about that first year being so important and mm -hmm. being able to be with people and stuff, you know, community and all that. And already, um, I uh, when I look at what I was doing, when my mom brought me home from the orphanage, I was basically committing suicide. I was refusing food. Wow. So I'd already given up. Wow. And so um, that's, I guess, in me somewhere. And also then I was an only child mm. and we moved around all the time because my dad was in the military. So I'm, I have no problem being alone a lot. Arlette, so I'm, I'm an introvert with all of that long thing, just to tell you, no, actually it looks like I'm an extrovert because of my teaching. But if, sure if all of a sudden that turned into a social situation, I would be in the corner. Huh? And in fact, my last podcast and my last poem, I actually talk about that. Um, I was, um, the way that I would say it, and this is probably politically incorrect to say it, but I was a reject of the reject group in high school. I mean, that, and what they thought was funny, I didn't think was funny. What they thought was a big deal, I did not. And I did everything I could to fake it. And so what I did was I just skipped a year. I skipped 11th grade. I mean, well, why not? A's and I made sure to take extra classes at night and in the summer and in the morning, whatever it took and got the hell out of there. Huh. So w when you talk about your different selves that you've created, is there uh, something that create that kind of helps motivate that change into a new self, like obviously your art, but are the other types of selves what you've recognized? What creates those, that change? I think the, I'd have to start my answer with something that I think you probably already know about me as a Buddhist. I absolutely, without question, believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. There's, it's not a question to me. It's yep. not even, I believe in, it's just a fact. So to me, the shifting from one um, expression of myself or adding new expressions in, however you want to look at it, 
has as much to do with karma. And um, because the painting, um, I happened to take Ollie about, what was it, maybe five, four or five years ago, Ollie had in like in February, one of those uh, wine and paint things. Mm -hmm. And it was for any member and also for faculty at Cal State. So it was, it was in one of the rooms that I often teach. Um, I've just been zooming through since then. So it's really taken hold this year. But you know, the thing that's so interesting, Arlette, I have found COVID has really helped with this. I find that when we're in this distant but but very connected. I mean, I'm talking to you more than I've ever talked to you in your life because you're always surrounded by students who have questions after class, etc. And so I have just valued this and I have in our curriculum committee. We've, I've gotten to know people on our committee that I have really and truly not known. You, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is um, kind of my experience too, not just with you right now, which is totally awesome, but um, I find that in my teaching at COD as a professor teaching completely online, I, I can actually interact with students more when because they post on the discussion board and I can respond to each student or group of, of exchange um, Whereas when I'm teaching, I see them twice a week and I put them in small groups and I don't get to respond to everybody um, or to a group that's either going in the right direction or supporting each other, especially and deserving acknowledgement, whatever. So um, I agree. There are definitely some positive things about this online experience. I have found is just how smart so many of these people are and, you know, and it, it just further helps me accept and almost celebrate this aging process to be in this community where uh, obviously a lot of people do have health issues and other issues, but they have never given up their idea of learning. I mean, their resilience, their real interest in being part of a group that honors this tradition. I, it has been, they're my role models. I mean, they're my, okay, if you guys can do it, I can sure do it. And I just feel so lucky that I've been part of this community. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely, Nancy. Um, and there's another thing we have in common. Uh, my mom was uh, 40 and my dad was just barely 40 when they adopted me. Yeah. So I also had older parents, but I have to say, I never noticed it. So um, I'm, I totally understand being comfortable around older people from early on and how this experience with Ollie sort of carries that forward. Keeps reminding us of the treasure in the experience of people who have lived longer in time. As we mentioned, Dr. Arlette is a fellow podcaster, so we asked her about her show. My podcast is titled Listen Within, Moments of Kindness in This Pandemic Storm, and it has become my way of urging kindness into our world right now. The podcast is basically five to eight minutes of music, original poetry, and story about kindness, 
and how and why it requires action. And the show, just like this one, In Conversation, The Voices of Ollie, is available for listening and subscription on any podcast platform. This has been In Conversation, The Voices of Ollie. Our thanks to Cal State University, San Bernardino, Palm Desert, and its media students. This podcast was produced by Lou Gorfain. And I'm Lacey Kendall. <laughs>